A part of fashion is how we fashion or style ourselves, basically how we present ourselves to other people. Prior to being able to share photos online and with apps like Instagram, you either had to be featured on TV or in a magazine or get photos taken and share them with friends and family. But now almost everyone has a digital photo album, whether you like it or not. It is very hard these days to not have a digital footprint. Welcome to Most Fashionable Crime, a fashion-related true crime podcast hosted by me, Taryn. If you want to be on trend, make sure to sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow the podcast on Twitter at Most Fashionable, and Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Most Fashionable Crime. There's also a discussion group on Facebook and a Reddit community, which are both linked in the notes. Thank you to everyone that has supported this podcast. I appreciate you all so much, and there is a link in the notes if you would like to support too. Additional ways to support Most Fashionable Crime are to share this podcast, leave a five-star rating and or a review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and just listen and engage on social media. While you're listening, go ahead and share this to your Instagram story. One of the biggest true crime stories, and not the biggest true crime story of the year, is the disappearance and death of Gabby Petito. If you're unfamiliar with the story, I'll put links to articles regarding it in the notes. To give a brief overview, on June 2nd of this year, Gabby Petito, a 22-year-old white woman, embarked on what was supposed to be a four-month-long mainline journey across the United States with her boyfriend and ex-fiance, Brian Laundrie, who she met in high school, although they were not high school sweethearts. Brian was a 23-year-old white man. They went across the country in a van she purchased, visiting various national parks and scenic locations. On August 12th, someone called 911 to say that she saw Brian slip and hit Gabby. Another witness claims that they saw Gabby and Brian arguing and Gabby punching Brian in the arm, and that it appeared that Brian was trying to leave Gabby and take her phone with him. There was body cam footage of Gabby and Brian talking to police after they were pulled over. To me, the incident was downplayed by Gabby, Brian, and the police. Gabby and Brian didn't want to press charges against each other, which is why this wasn't categorized as domestic violence. They separated temporarily as ordered by the police and reunited on August 23rd. On August 1st, Brian arrived at his parents' home in Florida with Gabby's van, but without Gabby. On September 11th, Gabby's mother reported Gabby as missing. On September 17th, Brian's parents reported Brian as missing. Two days later, on the 19th, Gabby's remains were found, and on October 20th, Brian's remains were found. It is assumed by many that Brian allegedly murdered Gabby in late August and then allegedly committed suicide sometime in September. A lot of people took note of how Gabby's case received widespread national attention very quickly. If you follow true crime stories, you know when it comes to missing adults, that is typically not the case. I want to mention that I don't think Gabby should not have had her case receive attention and have various agencies sprung quickly into action. Personally, I wish that all missing cases, especially ones that involve adults that aren't taken seriously, were taken more seriously. Was this a case of missing white woman syndrome? Yes and no. If you're unfamiliar with what missing white woman syndrome is, according to Wikipedia, missing white woman syndrome is a term used by social scientists and media commentators to refer to the media coverage 
especially in television of missing person cases involving young white upper middle class women or girls compared to the alleged relative lack of attention towards missing women who are not white, women of lower social classes, and missing men are boys. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, fashioning ourselves means how we present ourselves to others or even how other people perceive us. A month before Gabby was reported missing in September, there were two white women found dead, Kylene Schultz and Crystal Turner in Utah. But did they receive as much attention? No. They were in a relationship with each other, and one of the women had her hair done in a way to appear as dreadlocks. You also have Rachel Cho, the 30-year-old Korean-American woman who was reported missing in California in late June, but found dead in late October. She was tatted, pierced, and Asian. You have Angela Tremonti, a 31-year-old woman who was found dead on a hiking trail in Arizona while on a date with a man. In her case, she flew across the country to meet this man for the first time, and he just so happened to be a cop. Then you have Daniel Robinson, a 24-year-old man that disappeared in Arizona towards the end of June and still has not been located. Daniel is a man, he's black, and he also has a limb difference. I believe nine bodies were found while searchers were looking for both Gabby and Brian. Race, gender, socioeconomic status, appearance, sexuality, and more all play a hand when it comes to what is relatable to be sent through the news cycle. Is it safe to say sexism, misogyny, racism, and elitism played a role in why the other cases didn't receive as much attention? Yes. And I talk more about that in the YouTube video for this bonus episode. However, there is one big glowing facet that made this case take off. Social media. I recently watched the HBO documentary directed by Nick Bilton titled Fake Famous. In this documentary, they chose three non-native Los Angeles residents to make them specifically Instagram famous. Despite other social media platforms like Twitter and TikTok, Instagram is still the one where people desire to make it big if they want to. In the documentary, Nick purchases bots and followers to increase each person's Instagram following, likes, and comments. While two dropped out of the experiment, the aspiring actress remained and used it to her advantage to eventually build a real following and get paid to post. During the process, they got professional photos taken and created content to pitch brands and efforts to get paid opportunities, which they were successful in doing. Social media provides a lot of opportunities for people personally and professionally. You can use it to find a job and a date. In a very unfortunate way, social media also provided a lot of content for amateur sleuths and media companies. Gabby's Instagram and Brian's Instagram, which has since been deleted, provided content for the media and the masses. They also created a joint YouTube channel to document their van life journey called Nomadic Static. With news about Gabby's disappearance, people started to pick apart each Instagram post, the single YouTube video, each TikTok on their joint accounts, Brian's Pinterest boards, in each archived Instagram story. While Gabby was missing, their joint YouTube channel reached over 100,000 subscribers and their single YouTube video got over a million views. As of now, Gabby's Instagram has over 1 million followers. I'm sure if you decided to follow the accounts of missing people, you are hoping to be able to solve the case. I think a lot of people saw themselves in Gabby or in Gabby and Brian's relationship or thought of someone else that they know when seeing them as a couple and as individuals. 
With the ongoing pandemic and the great resignation, a lot of people left behind corporate or nine to five jobs in general and took up freelancing, gigging, and content creation as a means to make a living. It appears Brian may have been doing work in graphic design and Gabby worked in nutrition prior to van life. Both are roles that have potential for freelancing, but it seems they wanted to document their van life journey and become full-time content creators from it. While Gabby and Brian hadn't made it big in the content creation space, they definitely had the potential. One, they were a young white couple. Couples content performs really great on social media platforms. The other part is that they were band dwellers. Band dwelling or van life is when you live in a vehicle full-time or part-time. Just three years ago, there would be sad stories in the news about college students living out of their cars because this was seen as being one step above living on the street or in a homeless shelter. The shift from tiny home to van life was swift. By the summer of 2020, a lot of people took to living out their Wild Thornberries dream. The Wild Thornberries is an animated television series that aired on Nickelodeon from 1998 until 2004. The series is about a nomadic family that travels by filming their adventures in and with wildlife. In 2020, that type of lifestyle really took off and it proved to be very lucrative for some to document it. I'm not going to get into how this has made it harder on those that are actually homeless, not by choice, but I will leave some articles in case you are interested. In 2019, a then 20-year-old YouTuber by the name of Janelle Eliana amassed 1.3 million subscribers with just two videos by documenting her own personal van life journey with her pet snake, Alfredo. Janelle has never made a video or published statement about how much she earns, to my knowledge, but with over 300,000 followers on Instagram and over 2 million subscribers on YouTube, I would think she has great potential to earn a pretty penny off advertisements and sponsorships. Band dwelling is something that more and more people have become interested in. I have no doubt the alert of watching a young, regular couple in love traveling across the world would have definitely been picked up by a good amount of people. As you may have seen, social media, particularly TikTok, played a major part in helping authorities know where to look for Gabby. Without social media, I probably would not have heard about the other disappearances and deaths that occurred over the summer. Without social media, I don't think the attention on Gabby's disappearance would have been so extreme either. This is not the first instance of social media playing a huge factor in someone's death or disappearance, and unfortunately, it will not be the last. Thank you for listening to Most Fashionable Crime. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on the next bonus episode in January. In case you missed it, the theme of season two is House and it will debut in February. Happy holidays and happy new year. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, and leave a five-star rating if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. All of my sources are linked in the notes. In case you're wondering, this podcast is written, recorded, produced, and edited by me, Taryn. All the music you heard in the episode is from Epidemic Sound.